Well, at Christmas time, everybody's in the Christmas days, aren't they? You know what I mean by the Christmas days? You end up doing things that you don't do any other time of year, and it's totally fine because it's Christmas. Whether it's buying food that you'd never think of buying before, but you buy because it's Christmas. Gifts that you'd never normally buy, but it's Christmas, you do. Or bringing a tr- dead tree into the house or putting a pretend tree up, we do it because it's Christmas. And we're in that Christmas days and um, we kind of just get through it and then January we're hit with a big bill and we kind of wake up. Well, this morning we're looking at the truth that we can sometimes miss in that Christmas days. You know, something that can kind of go under the radar, really. We might be able to tell the Christmas story. We might be able to think of seeing it acted out in nativity plays. But there's, uh, there's something that we need to focus in and really uh, understand this morning. And that is the next line in the Apostles' Creed. Now, remember, the Apostles' Creed is how the Christian faith is summed up at its most kind of basic level. These are the essentials to what it means to believe if we're Christians. These are, this is the Bible story summed up. And as you see, the, the biggest chunk of it is given over to the person of Jesus. And that's why last week we thought about his person. Today we're thinking about his birth. And look what it says. Out of all that you could sum up to say, this is what it wants us to know. Jesus Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. This is essential, non-negotiable. We have to get it, understand it, and believe it if we're to grasp the gospel message. Now, I wonder how you feel about that. Think, well, why? Why do you have to talk about the, how Jesus was conceived and uh, Mary being a virgin? And uh, can't we just kind of skip over that? Or maybe you're thinking, well, you know, I, I can't believe that. There's no way I could believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, that the Holy Spirit, uh, that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. I can't believe in things like that. Well, as one writer said helpfully, um, he said this, Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. Materialists believe in the virgin birth of the cosmos. Choose your miracle. Can you see? We're all believing in some kind of uh, miracle, really, where if you say, I don't believe in God or I don't believe in the virgin birth, you need to choose your miracle. And this morning, we need to see how important this truth is to the Christian faith. Larry King, who's a very famous TV host in America, was uh, used to interviewing all the rich and famous people, was asked in one interview, and he was being interviewed, if you could interview one person in history, who would it be? You know what he said? Jesus Christ. And I would ask him if he was indeed virgin-born, because the answer to that question would define history for me. He could see the importance of looking at the birth of Jesus and assessing it and seeing if it's true or or not. Now, of course, there's other parts of the Christmas story that are important, but the creed really helpfully wants us to grasp this truth. Why was how Jesus born so important? Well, the truth is without this and without Jesus being born and conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, there is no gospel. There is no good news. Now, why is this so foundational? Why is this not not optional? Why is it a non-negotiable? Why do we have to affirm and believe this? Well, I want us to see uh, four things this morning about why this is essential to the good news of Jesus. The first is this, the good news of God's grace is only possible because of the virgin birth, the good news of God's grace. Right, so chapter one of Luke verse 26 says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. 
So the sixth month is the sixth month since Elizabeth uh, was pregnant, which you can read about earlier in the chapter. Uh, And what's happening? God, again, is doing something. He is coming to proclaim through the angel this news of what he is doing. And we can easily skip over those words, can't we? Gabriel was sent from God. But that is God taking the initiative, God stepping into history, God doing something. And someone is coming, we're being told. Jump down to verse 31 to see who. Behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son, and shall call his name Jesus, which means, you know, it's Joshua, God saves. A saviour is coming, the angel was saying. And Mary's uh, saying, uh, Mary's being told, look, you are going to give birth to the saviour of the world. Now, how is that going to happen? Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The Holy Spirit uh, will you'll be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus will be conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary, miraculously, gloriously, and the Savior is going to be born in that way. So he's not going to be conceived in the normal way. Joseph is not going to be the father. And you see what this is telling us? Just below the surface, it is telling us we need a Savior and God is providing one. God is sending one into the world. It doesn't take much to need need to see that, does it? That our world needs a Savior. Again, every week we can just look at the news and think, it is just dark out there. We need a saviour, we need to be rescued. So how? Where do we turn? Humanity, we like to think we can do it on our own. We like to think we can plot our way out of situations. But the reality is we are stuck and we can't save ourselves. That's why the virgin birth is so important for one reason. It shows that God had to intervene. God does the saving. God does the rescuing. God comes and does it himself. See, he sends his saviour as a gift. We don't earn it. We don't come up with the plan. God does it. The Father, through the Spirit, will give Mary the Son. The triune God involved in this glorious plan of salvation. And our saviour can't be earned, can't be thought up, can't be planned in our mind. No, this is God's plan, his doing. See, the good news of the grace of God is only possible because of the birth of Jesus. It's such a good news, isn't it, that God sent a saviour. Just think on that for a moment. We haven't earned it. It's his gift to us. Now, we say that a lot. We sing about the grace of God a lot. We talk about the grace of God a lot. But can't you see that's what we desperately need? We can't get to God on our own. We can't do it. No, Gabriel was sent with this message. The gift is coming, a saviour is on his way, and the problem is we forget it. The problem is, as we were thinking about in our time of communion, we forget the gospel. We forget that it's all about God's grace to us. And we slip into thinking, I need to earn this. I need to earn God's love. I need to earn my position before God. Maybe you're not a Christian and you're thinking these things through. I wonder, are you trying to earn your salvation. Are you thinking, well, there's no way God would accept me? After all I've done, you know, I need to clean up my life first, and then, you know, maybe I'll give church a go for a while, and then hopefully in a few months' time, I'll be in the position where I can say to God, right, I'm ready now. But that is not what happened. The world wasn't, didn't have to get itself ready for a saviour. God sent his son to do the saving. We can't do it ourselves. If you're a Christian this morning, hear this, be reminded of this, and don't think, oh, I know this. 
listen to this it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it's not from yourselves it's a gift of god thinking about christmas can you imagine christmas morning or christmas afternoon whenever you open your presents whatever your rituals are that after someone gives you a present then you say right um how much do i owe you you get your checkbook or more modern you know you get your app out on your phone you say right how much i'll just transfer the money across now how much do i owe you you know you don't pay for it this is a gift it's actually quite offensive isn't it if you give a gift and someone says right how much do i give you no this is a gift accept it but how often does, do we look at the salvation that god offers us and say right i need to do something now to to, to earn your your love and god said you are saved by grace don't try and earn it the cross is enough we don't need to add our works to us god is a god of grace and the birth of jesus shows us this wasn't our, our idea god came god pursues and god always pursues we see this throughout the whole bible he always takes the makes the first move why is it essential to hear the good news of jesus why is the virgin birth essential because of the good news of god's grace the second thing is this because of the good news of god's nearness now gabriel wants us to know who this baby to be born is look at verse 32 he will be great and will be called the son of the most high verse 35 he'll be called holy the son of god now because jesus was going to be conceived in this miraculous way he was going to be uh, fully god but because he was going to develop in the womb of mary he was going to also be fully man so we have jesus who is fully god because he's miraculously conceived and fully man because he develops in the womb of mary together see without the virgin birth you don't have uh, jesus who is fully god and fully man now stop for a moment and think that through what does that tell us about god god becoming flesh now again we can skip over verse 26 quite quickly but look to where gabriel came he came to nazareth a city of galilee luke has to tell people or oh, nazareth in galilee by the way because nazareth was so insignificant so if um, you've ever you know if, when you go abroad or go far far away from my stake and people say where are you from you might jump straight in and say Cumvelin or Cairo. You might jump in there, but I think you'll probably start far further off, wouldn't you? You'd probably say um, Wales. You know, if you're in another country, Wales, or maybe even start further away, UK. Then I say whereabouts, Wales, whereabouts, you know. And I remember when I was in Canada once talking to somebody in a queue. They said they heard their Welsh accent, said, "Where are you from?" And I said, "Oh, um, UK." They said, "Whereabouts, Wales? Whereabouts, South Wales?" I got all the way down to one street near Pontesilice and they said oh do you know so and so I said yes I do but you know you have to start far off to get to that point now here Luke is saying Nazareth there's this place in uh, Galilee called Nazareth you wouldn't have heard of it but that's where Mary's from that's where the son of the most high is going to be born isn't that amazing God humbles himself to hear imagine it's like God coming to us and saying you know God is coming to Abba Cregan or Glyn Corrug not that there's anything wrong with those places but outside of our valley nobody knows of them nobody's heard of them you know god is coming to a nobody place a nowhere place and nobody has heard of and who does he come to an impressive princess does he come to somebody with riches and fame no he comes to this peasant teenager who's probably no more than 15 years old how does he decide to come 
in an impressive, powerful body. No, he comes as a baby, small, weak, frail, who has to learn how to eat and walk, who has to depend on, this, on his mother for his neck even to be held up. Weakness and frailty, that's how Jesus came. Do you see what this is telling us about God? God in human flesh, God stoops, he comes low, and so low. Remember last week we see God, uh, Jesus, the God who created the whole universe. On Wednesday night we thought a bit more about that, how he um, sustains the whole universe. He is the one who keeps our hearts beating. He is the one who gives us every single breath. And yet he became a weak baby. How does he use that power? He uses it to serve and to save us. We'll see next time how he humbles himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. But Jesus' birth shows that God draws close. That means he knows what it's like to be in your shoes. He knows what it's like to go through what we go through. He's been here. You see, Jesus, being born of a virgin, means he is God and man. Fully God, fully man. Now, Jesus had to be God and man in order to save us. Imagine the situation. You've got two people. They're close friends, but then the relationship breaks down over some misunderstanding. Okay? One is convinced it's the other person's fault, and the other is convinced that it's the other person's fault, and there's no um, convincing them of, of any other way. They are stuck. They can't see how they are to blame, and as a result, they stop talking to each other. Now, how on earth can this relationship be resolved? They refuse to talk to each other. Is there any hope? Well, there is hope, isn't there? What do you need? You need a mediator. You need somebody to go between both. Who is the best mediator? Well, surely somebody to reconcile them. The best go-between is somebody who they know and respect, both know and respect, but also somebody who is impartial and one who's going to re represent both of them to each other. Yeah, one who's going to be somebody who's a a good go-between. And this is how one author puts it as he told this illustration. He or she must be close enough to both of them to represent them both and yet sufficiently different from the both of them to prevent being identified with either. How can we be made right with God? We need a mediator. We need somebody who is both God and man. And that's who we have in Jesus Christ. Our relationship with God is broken. And the only one who can save, the only one who could do it, is Jesus. He's the one who can reconcile. He had to be God and man. Do you see, without the virgin birth, we don't have a God-man. The good news of God's nearness depends on this. So the good news of God's grace, the good news of God's nearness, the third thing is the good news of God's freedom. Why is the birth of Jesus, um, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, so important? Well, look at verse 35. There's a truth here we need to reflect on. The angel answered her, you know, Mary says, how will, I, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary's womb, and life comes from nothing. The Holy Spirit overshadows Mary's womb and life comes out of nothing. Now, that is supposed to remind us of another beginning, one we looked at a couple of weeks ago. In Genesis 1, the Spirit hovers over the emptiness and brings life out of nothing. 
Then in Genesis 2, we see God forming Adam out of the clay. And then he breathes life, spirit, into Adam. Now, Jesus is brought into being by the creative breath of God's spirit in the womb of Mary. So, can you see, there's, we have the first Adam that God made, and this is a new beginning. We're having another Adam, a new start. So, why are we being reminded of Adam? Well, we're all descendants in the Bible, aren't we? We're all descendants of Adam. We're all in his line. But there's a problem. Because we're in Adam's line, Adam sinned. He failed at the first shot. And because Adam sinned, we all sinned. Like a river that's polluted at the top, all of the river is polluted. And as Paul puts it in Romans 5, sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. So we're all infected. We've all inherited this sinful nature. And there's no way around it. We're all born with that. That is why we do things that we say, oh, I'll never do that. We say things we say, I'll never say, I'll hurt that person again. And we do. It's why we can't live up to our own standards. It is why you don't have to teach children to be um, naughty, but you have to tell them how to be good. Because we've just inherited this nature of sinfulness all the way back to Adam. And as a result of that, our trajectory is away from God. We are on the path of alienation from him. We're on the path to death and condemnation and facing God's wrath. That's where we're headed because we're born in Adam's line. Now, some of the less exciting Christmas readings include the genealogies. Have you read them? No, they, they take a while to get through because they're quite repetitive, but the repetition's important. So if you go to Matthew and you read the father of, the father of, the father of, the father of, and you kind of lull yourself into that pattern, but it is important because there's a jolt when you come to Matthew 1.17, because it says the father of Joseph, uh, Jacob, the father of Joseph, and then it says, not the father of Jesus, it says, Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus. The only human ever not born in Adam's line is Jesus Christ. Do you see how that gives us hope? Do you see how that is so important? Because everyone is born of Adam is infected with the disease of sin. But Jesus came along, born outside of the line of Adam, and he didn't fail. He didn't inherit this sin. In every way that Adam failed, Jesus stood strong. Remember in the Garden of Eden, what did Adam say? He said, I'm doing my will. My will be done. But then Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the second Adam, what did he say? Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus stood firm where Adam failed. And what's the problem? Well, we're on team Adam. Yeah, we are all there and we need to switch over to team Jesus. Because if you're on team Jesus, where does that trajectory go? Not sin and death and condemnation, but it heads to forgiveness and life and uh, forever with God. And so we need to switch teams. How do we do that? We trust in Jesus. And we say, Jesus, I want to be on your team. Jesus, take me out of this line of Adam, as it were, and then we have a fresh start. Yes, we still have this body of sin, and yes, we will still fail, but we are with Jesus, which means we are forgiven and accepted, and God sees us as he sees our head, Jesus Christ, as uh, perfect as that, free from sin, free from death and condemnation. So if you're in team Jesus this morning and not team Adam, can't we rejoice? 
Can we celebrate the fact that Jesus has moved us from heading to condemnation and instead we're heading to life? The new Adam has come and he has done this for us. There is no condemnation. We are free and that means the power that sin and death have over us are now gone. And if you're not yet on team Jesus and you're still in team Adam, why not this morning say, I need to switch? I can see the, the destruction that that sin has brought in this world and I need hope and I need to change to, to, to be with Jesus. Put your trust in him. That's all it takes is to say, Jesus, I need you. Save me. Put your faith in him. Say yes to him. See, and that, when we realize these truths, it can set us free. Totally set us free from the condemnation that we deserve, from the, the death we're headed to, the eternal death, and to the sin that overpowers us. Jesus helps us to say no. Jesus sets us free. And that is only possible because of the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary's womb and bringing the new Adam to be. See, God's grace and the good news of God's grace is, is possible because of the birth of Jesus. The good news of God's nearness and his freedom is possible because of the birth of Jesus. And the final thing is this, the good news of God's promises is only possible because of this. Why is this birth crucial? Because this was part of God's glorious plan to save the world. When you read the Old Testament, uh, the, the fact that the promised saviour would be born in an unusual way shouldn't really be a surprise. Just listen to this as we just kind of do a quick recap on kind of the highlights of the Old Testament and think of the, the turning points of salvation history. Abraham and Sarah, this barren couple in their 80s, God comes to them and says, through you is going to be born uh, the son of promise. And then, even though it, didn't, it looked unlikely, this nation started with them in her 90s she gave birth. Moses was born into this time where, um, where they were all in slavery and every male child was to be thrown into the Nile. And what happens? Well, it's not a miraculous birth as such, but this miraculous baby is placed into the Nile in the bulrushes and then is then uh, uh, picked up by, by Pharaoh's daughter. He's brought up in the palace and he's the one who God was going to use to set the people free. This wonderful birth uh, there. As God's people are set free from Egypt, they settle in the promised land. And the leaders of that time are the judges at first. And who's one of the head judges? Well, it's Sam Samson. You look at Samson's birth, miraculously born. And he goes up to defeat God's enemies, the Philistines. And then after we have the judges, we need to, some prophets. And who's the first prophet really that we see? It is Samuel. How is Samuel born? He's born miraculously to Hannah. And the prophet who would lead God's people and lead into the time of the kings was there. So do you see every major point of salvation, there is some kind of miraculous intervention of birth. Every stage, God uses a birth of a child to take forward his promise. We shouldn't be surprised that this birth is unusual. And also, specifically in Isaiah 7, 700 years before Jesus was born, it tells us, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So promised was, would be, look out for a virgin who will conceive and we will have God with us as a result. So we read, don't we, of Mary's pregnancy. We read of Elizabeth just before miraculously in her old age, gives birth to John. And then Jesus is born to Mary. See, it shows us that God is keeping his promises. It shows that God is not 
um, able to break a promise. It shows us that he's faithful. Now, the context of Luke 1 as well is really comforting to us this morning. At the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New, there's 400 years where they hadn't heard, God's people hadn't heard from, from a word from God. There'd been no prophet. Nobody spoke. Israel had rebelled against God for years and years and years. They'd gone their own way, and they might have looked like God had given up on them. It might have looked like God's promises weren't true and that his promises had failed. But then, in Luke chapter 1, we see God speaks. Within six months, the angel Gabriel has had two jobs to do, and he's come and spoken to Elizabeth, and he's come and spoken to Mary. And look at verse 32 and 33. There it says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. Remember, David has promised that his son would be on the throne forever. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. The king is coming. The one I promised, the one I said, the promises are coming true. God's, uh, God, uh, Mary is kind of wondering, well, how can this be? And so verse 37, what does God say? He says, nothing will be impossible with God. Through those dark years, it looked like the promises of God weren't true. It looked like yeah, God's word isn't true. It's not happening. But all in the quietness and in the silence, God was keeping his promises. I wonder today, does it seem like God is silent in your life? Does it seem like God's promises aren't true? Does it seem like there is no hope at the moment? Let's look at the birth of Jesus and say, God, and remind ourselves God keeps his promises. Even when we don't hear anything, even when it seems silent, in the darkness, we can trust in him. He is faithful, and the birth of Jesus proves that. Anything is possible for God. I remember hearing of a, a pastor who went to visit a member of his congregation, and he picked up a Bible, and he was looking through it, and he saw as he looked through it, letters by some verses. One of them had P by it, and the reason that was there was because it was a precious promise of God. And other verses had TP by them. And that stood for tried and proved. So the promise of God, she had known that he had tried and proved that promise. Have you tried and proved God's promises? Have you trusted and seen and found God's word and seen this is true, this has happened, God's done this? But remember, God can be trusted. He will never break a promise. So as we read through God's word, let's look out for his promises and let's see and hold on to them so that in the dark times where we're not maybe hearing as it were, God is speaking and God, we can be encouraged. Uh, whatever those promises are, let's hold on to them. And we too could be able to say, tried and proved. Yep, God's done that this week. So can you see, as we look back now on, on this birth of Jesus, what are we saying about Jesus this morning? He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. We've got to believe that. Because without that, the good news falls apart and there is no gospel. You see, without that, there is no grace. We're on our own. We have to work our way to God. There is no nearness. God has stayed far off. There is no freedom. We're lost. We're destined for uh, condemnation. There is no faithfulness. God did not keep his promises. This is essential, core, non-negotiable. Jesus was born, uh, was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and we need to rejoice and celebrate in that truth this morning. So when, after we've gone through this Apostles' Creed, we say those words, we don't need to be embarrassed. We don't need to kind of forget them at Christmas time. We can look, at, look these truths in the eye and say, thank you, Lord, for the glorious birth of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, 
that it means that you will never let us down. So let's live uh, as if this were true this week. Live in the light of God's word. Let's pray as we uh, finish our time together. Lord, we thank you for the birth of Jesus. We pray that we wouldn't take it for granted. We pray that we would gloriously rejoice in these truths and that we, Lord, uh, would enjoy thinking on the birth of Jesus, not just one time of a year, but throughout the year, every day, because that's how much we need this glorious good news. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.